Welcome to the Mountain Park Church Podcast. We're excited to share this week's message with you. Our mission is to allow God to work in and through us, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has been working in or through you. Email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in and through you. Mountain Park, it's so good to be back with you again. I've, I've enjoyed hosting, but I really love to preach. And so I'm just excited to open up God's word and see what God has in store for us today. I feel like this message has been um, stewing for a couple weeks now, and just God's been working on my heart as I prepare to speak this. And so I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. And it's been great getting to know you and, and, and call you and have conversations but it's so good just to be back and be able to preach the word of God today. And so if, you're, if you do have your Bibles at home, I'm gonna invite you just to turn with me to Matthew 7. Um, we're gonna look at one of the, the teachings that Jesus has in Matthew 7, verse 24. And you can go ahead and turn there um, as I just open up in prayer. Father, we're just, uh, we're just humbled to be here. We're humbled to open up your word. Even though we are spaced out in so many different locations, we know that the church is not four walls, but it is your body, your bride. And so Lord, we're asking that you would speak to us today through your word, teach us. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things, amen. Well, I'm so excited to be able to jump into this passage today. And many of you guys have been asking me kind of like how my experience has been during this quarantine season. And if I'm honest, you know, having three girls under the age of six, it has been awesome at the same time as terrible. Um, it has been an experience where there are amazing moments where I'm like, wow, I get to spend so much time with them. I'm never going to get this time back. I'm so excited to be able to love them. And then the next moment where I'm like, I need some space or I might actually kill them. Not really, but kind of. And, and so it's been an up and down roller coaster. And I've talked to many of you guys as well, and you're in, in the same boat. And actually, I've said so to so many of the parents of teenagers, I actually have a lot more um, thought and prayer for you guys because, you know, my kids, it's easy. You take them for a walk around the block and they're, they're excited. You can do that every day. You know, you try to take your teenager for a walk around the block, it's probably not going to work out so well. And so it's been, it's been such a challenge, but it's been, it's been evident that God has been doing a shaking in the church. And so we are excited for what God has been doing through this season. And so we believe that when trials do come, that actually we are to look at them and see joy in them because God is doing a maturing. And so he's been doing a maturing in my life. And so today I wanna to talk to you and jump off of what Brenda was talking about last week. And I wanna to talk to you today about what are you building your life on? And so we're gonna look at the Sermon at, on the Mount, which is, um, it really goes from Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And we're gonna jump in at the very end of it and we're gonna go ahead and look at his story. So let's, let's go ahead and read that. But before we read it, I wanna give you a little bit of context 
on what is happening in this story. So I said it's the Sermon at the Mount. And Jesus at this point has kind of just come on the scene. This is his big moment of really telling everyone what his teaching is. This is like his first real debut. Uh, it'd be like an album debut for, for someone. This would be like a release. It'd be the party where everybody is invited. It says that they came to him, he was on a hill, and then they they sat down and he began to teach. In that time, rabbis would teach and people would sit at their feet. And so this is very typical. He is a rabbi standing where there are so many and they sit at his feet to learn from him. And he just goes off for three chapters. I mean, it must have been hours on hours. How, much, how would you like to be part of that That. Uh, service where it's just going on and on. But you know, I bet you it was just riveting, like what he was teaching them and he was taking them to school. They, they thought they understood what the, what the Old Testament, the Bible at that point was all about. And he is rewriting really what, what their understanding of that is. And so we jump in at the very end of it and he tells this parable, just like Jesus does. Jesus tells, he does teachings, but he also teaches through parables. And so this is a parable to end off the Sermon at the Mount. This is probably the greatest sermon that has ever been preached. And he ends it by saying this in verse 24, if you're there with me. Therefore, which is a very important word, and we'll get to that. Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. Yet it did not collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rains fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded the house and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. What a, what a great picture that Jesus shows us. And so the, the question really that this story is, is asking of us is simple. It's a simple question. He's just simply saying this, what will you build your life on? See, in, in Judea, where, where Jesus is teaching, he's actually asking a very, he's giving a very important picture to the church. He's, he's explaining to them something that they all understand. In that area, the sand that is there, it's not like, it's not like the beautiful beach sand that we think of. The soft, perfectly groomed, nice sand that you lay on. This, this sand is very rough. And so actually you can build a house on it and it looks pretty good. It looks like it's stable because the sand is so rock hard. But everyone knows that in that same area, there are chances of flash floods. There are storms that come and they cause flash floods. And if a flash flood is there and you have not built your, your house on bedrock, but on this firm sand, that when the sand is gone because of the flash flood, your house will collapse. So Jesus is, he's just a master at communicating pictures that they understand. And we may not understand it as well. I mean, I understand nothing about building. I understand that a foundation is needed for a house, but after that, I know it's under the house. That's about my limitation of, of necessarily building. But I know the foundation is important when he's teaching 
the, the people there, they are getting it because it's their, it's their area. They understand that this is actually how it works. That if you build a house just on the sand, when the storms come, they've seen it. This isn't even something that they're trying to picture. It's simply their ordinary life. And Jesus is bringing in a simple truth to their picture. And so here's the simple truth. It's a question. What will you build your life on? I don't know if you've noticed this, but we've, we've come to a place in our society where we have realized how fragile our life is. The society we live in, the culture we live in, man, I grew up, there, there really wasn't the 90s, the 2000s. We really haven't had any crisis. We've had things in the distance. I remember being in high school at 9-11 and that was a big deal, but it was still distant from us. This has hit us right at home. In a moment, our lives were turned upside down. We were at home, everything was shut down. And we realized how fragile the lives that we've built. See, we can build our lives on so many different things, right? The possessions we have, money, our status, our position, even good things we can build our lives on, like our family. But the truth is, is that if we build our lives on the things that are outside of God and, and not built on Jesus, these things fade away. Even good things in this world, they will not sustain us because we don't know what tomorrow will bring. And COVID has taught us that. And if you're like me, you've been put in a position where, you know, sometimes you're doing okay, but there are moments where you are just at, at the last level of yourself and you feel like, you know, you're ready to break. And the question you have to ask yourself is, what did you build your life on to feel like that? Because here's the promise that Jesus gives us. This is amazing. Jesus gives us a promise. He says, if you want a life that can withstand all storms, look, you look at it. He's not saying that, you know, if you have a different storm, it may break your house. No, no, no. He's giving a very simple principle. It's this. If you build your house on my teachings, on my word, on me, I promise you your, your house, your life that the house is represented will not fall apart. Man, I don't know about you, but I, I would love to have a promise like that, a guarantee like that on my home, that, I, that the guarantee is that my home will forever stand. No fire will break it. Um, no storm will, no water will come in. I live on the north end. No water will come in, please, Jesus, um, and flood my basement. But, but the, the truth is I can't, there's no guarantee out there. That's why we have insurance because it's not there. But Jesus says, hey, 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 I'm gonna give you a guarantee. I guarantee you, it's better actually than a guarantee. A guarantee is from somebody that you don't know. A promise is from somebody who you know their character. And the promise is, is that I, if you build your house on me, I will be with you and the storm will not break your, your life, your house. Man, I don't know about you, but that is, that is so assuring. When we are surrounded by things that have really just rocked our world in the last couple months, 
And so I want us to look at what Jesus is actually teaching us. Because if you're like me, you're like, okay, I like that. I think it's really great that uh, if I build my life on Jesus, um, everything's going to be good and there's a promise that it won't fall apart. But let's be honest, we've all faced things that have rocked us to the core. And Jesus isn't negating that. He's actually teaching us something that can help us in those seasons. So let's jump into this and really, and really see what Jesus is teaching us. See, see we, we all have this moment. What a great example that Jesus shows us. He teaches this in Matthew 7, but then in Matthew 19, there's a rich young ruler that comes to him and talks and actually asks him, teacher, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Which, I mean, that is, he is a young, wealthy man Jewish man who comes to the rabbi to find the meaning of life and to find how he gets eternal life. I mean, that is a great picture. That is exactly what you would want someone young to do, to go to a, a rabbi and learn. And Jesus says to him, follow the commandments. And he said, oh, great. I've been doing these since I was young. And then he says, oh, right. Just one more thing you need to do. Go and sell everything. And it says that he walked away sorrowful because he owned many possessions. Crazy thing is, we have this, this story where he built his life on his wealth. And Jesus knew it. See, he came as a religious man asking the right question. But like Jesus does, he, he was able to ask a question that penetrated the heart and said, oh, what are you building your life on? And it was clear that his life was built on wealth. And when it came to Jesus or my wealth, he walked away. Man, he walked away. I wonder what, what that young man thought as years went on when he saw the disciples around and, and them doing the ministry and the, the church growing, did he ever have those moments of, did I miss out? See, we all have these things in our lives that they mean a lot, but are we building our lives on things or are we building our life on Jesus? And see, when we want to build our life on Jesus, we ask the question, this, we ask the question like this. We say, what does that even mean? And so as we look at this passage, we see he gives us two things that we need to do. He really gives three things, but I'm, I'm just going to assume the first one. He says this, that you hear. The interesting thing is this, is that actually when you read this, when I originally read it and I've read it my whole life, I've always thought it was Christians and unbelievers, followers of Jesus and the world. The followers of Jesus build their house on him. The, the world, they build their house on other things. And he says in both times, he says, um, everyone who hears these words of mine, he says later on in verse 26, he says, everyone who hears these words of mine, they both hear the word. So the first thing is you've got to listen. So actually he's not talking about followers of Jesus and outsiders or, you know, unbelievers. He's actually talking about those who are Christian. He's talking about real followers 
and those who look like it. I mean, it's great, right? Like Jesus has this way of really going after those who want to be religious. And he says, hey, if you really want to build your life on me, you have to be a hearer and a doer, not just a hearer. So the first thing is this, you have to, you have to listen. And that's pretty basic. You, you need to hear. Jesus tells the parable of the seeds being thrown, right? You have to hear the word of God. You have to actually hear it. The second thing is this. You have to believe. Between, Jesus says this. He says, hearers of, the, of this and action. Hearers and action. The fool is the one who hears but doesn't act. But in between there, there has to be this moment called belief. You have to believe, right? You hear it and you believe, so then you act. And so here we are. He says, you must believe. But what are we believing in? Like, you know, um, what, what is it that we believe in when we're followers of Jesus? And, and here's what he says, right? Let's, let's look at this. He says that we must believe. So again, what are we believing in? We're believing two things that are very important to your, your actually building your life on Jesus. First, you must believe Jesus is who he says he is. See, the gospel is built on Jesus. We have to understand that who he says he is, we have to believe that. If we're gonna build our life on Jesus, it begins with belief that Jesus is who he says he is. And we can't get caught up in this idea that he's a good teacher and so we should follow his teachings, but you know, he's not what, he's not what they say he is. He's not the Messiah. He's not the savior of the world. When you go down that road, you have to actually begin to believe that Jesus is possibly a liar, maybe, maybe even a narcissist. Or you have to answer the question, if he really believes what he's saying and it's true, then he is the Messiah and he is our Savior. See, Jesus is our Savior. And here's what the Bible says. Let's not go on my opinion, but here's what the Bible says Jesus is. It says, John 6, 36, Jesus replies, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I'm sorry, if, if, a, if anyone but the Son of God says this, it's a very strange and awkward teaching, unless it's true, right? You can't be a good teacher and promise eternity. If it's not true, then you're a liar. And so Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life. If you want to come to me and I will sustain you, Again, he said, um, Paul writes in Romans 3, this of Jesus, he says, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. Ha <laughs> ha, what a good message. Doesn't matter who you are. You may have come across this message and you've been like, why am I even listening to this? This isn't in my church. But maybe Jesus wants you to know that if you believe this is for you, Jesus has died on the cross so that you could have life and be in relationship with God. And it's for all of us. 
Romans 10, 9 says this, if we openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. See, Jesus, he left his throne in heaven. He existed before time, came to earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, went to the grave, rose three days later, and then he ascended to heaven and is seated on the throne above heaven and earth with all authority. This is who Jesus is. For us to build our foundation on Jesus, we have to believe that, that he is who he says he is. And he did what he said he did. And the second thing we have to believe is this, it's about us. See, we have to understand that you and I, we are fallen human beings. That we have this problem, this problem called sin. And this problem called sin could never be solved by you or I. We try, we try to be good enough, we try to be uh, you know, healthy enough, even try to eat right, try to make sure that we're doing everything right and you know what happens, we fail. You know, we try to have be the best parents we, we can be. And before I got here, you know, I'm yelling at my kids going, oh, great, now I have to go preach. And I'm yelling at my kids because we, we can try in ourselves to be good enough, but we're not. And the problem is, is that we have a sin problem. And we've tried to make Christianity behavioral modification. It's not. You don't have to just be better. You actually have to be forgiven and, and transformed by the, by the blood of Jesus and what he did on the cross. And so here's what the Bible says about us. It says this, Mark 1, 15. Jesus is speaking. He begins. This is his first ever on Mark. This is his first message. He says this, the kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. The good news is the gospel. But there's an important part in there that I think the modern day church sometimes is missing. We must repent of our sins. We don't just make bad choices. We make sinful choices. And those sinful choices actually separate us from God. And so there's no way for us to be in relationship with God except for what Jesus did, coming to earth, living the perfect life, dying the death that you and I should have died on the cross, but he took it on himself so that we could actually come to him, receive the forgiveness we need, and be, it says, be reconciled with God. Oh, be reconciled with God. A grace we do not deserve is given to us because of the action of Jesus. Praise God. It says this in, in 1 John 1, 9. It says, but if you confess, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us of all our wickedness. Cleanse us of all our wickedness. And be clear here. In our culture today, we accept far too many things, even in the church. The standard of your life is not based on your feeling or my feeling. The standard for our life is based on what 
Jesus has told us and what is written in the word of God. And that's where we submit ourselves. And when the Holy Spirit brings up things in our lives that are clearly sin, we need to repent. Come to Jesus and say, I know that you have done this for me. You went to the cross for these things. Forgive me. And then repentance by its definition means a turning away, a 180 turn from that action and walking away from it. We have to be willing to repent to Jesus. You don't have to go to a, another person. You get to go to Jesus Christ and actually confess. He already knows, but you get to confess your sins. And he gets to say, you are forgiven and now you can walk in my righteousness. I don't know about you. My righteousness is rags. But because of Jesus, I get to walk in his righteousness because of what he did on the cross. It's amazing. Romans 3, 23 through 25. Turn with me because it's, it's such an important text. He says this, Romans 3, 23. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. That's what sin is. Sin is us falling short of his standard. The Old Testament was, was us trying to live up to this standard and just failing miserably. Jesus shows up and he says, although you have fallen short of the standard of God, here's what I'm gonna do. Yet God, so good. Our God, he, he actually cares. It says, yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This is perfectly explaining what I just said in both, both points. We have to believe that Jesus is who he said he is. And we have to believe that apart from him, we are lost and broken. And so we need the work that he did on the cross so that we can actually be reconciled with God and walk in the life that he's designed for us. And so we go from belief, but see, belief is just the beginning of building your life on him. See, because Again, they both heard, and then there's this moment where the, there were two builders, right? The foolish builder who heard and didn't do it and built a, built a house on, on shifting sands, and then this one who heard and acted. See, belief must make us move to action. See, everybody agrees that, you know what a hypocrite is? It's one person who says something but doesn't do it, right? And the Christians get get ridiculed for this because we so often, you know, we say something, but we act differently. But Jesus is saying, hey, if you want to build your life on me, point three, you have to act. This word, this, this word of God, you can't just hear it. You have to act on it. Um, James, James 1, 22 says this, but don't 
Just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. See, it's like this. You know, if I say I love my family, I love my wife, I love my three girls, but then I'm like, you know what? It's really cold here in the winter, and so I'm just going to move to Florida and just leave them here. You know, I'm just going to move there. But once a year on their birthdays, I'm going to call them, and I'm going to tell them how much I love them. It's going to mean nothing because my belief of my love for my kids isn't necessarily expressed in my actions. See, our belief in God, our belief in Jesus Christ must compel us to action. This is where, you know, forgiveness is such an important part of our Christian walk. This idea that we have been given this, this unbelievable, this scandalous grace that we have been forgiven of all our sins when we have done nothing. We should then express it to those who hurt us. But so often in the church, there's so many Christians who hold on to offense. And we actually feel justified because we've been wronged. But God was wronged and Jesus made a way for us. See, when we understand the mercy that has been given to us, the grace that has been expressed to us, the forgiveness that has been bestowed upon us, we should freely give it to others, even when they wrong us. I love it, because sometimes, sometimes when, you, when you hear, you know, your faith and actions, well, aren't you, aren't you, you know, aren't you defending works? Aren't you telling me that my, my, my belief in Jesus isn't enough and now, you, now I have to act? No, I'm not saying that. And James actually speaks to this. This is Jesus' brother, his half-brother. Um, he says this in James 2.18. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith and others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show your faith if you do not have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. See, Jesus is saying, if we want to build our life on him, we must actually do what is taught in the word of God. So this, this should actually penetrate every area of our lives. Your family should be transformed because you build your life on Jesus. Your marriage should be affected and impacted because of your belief in Jesus Christ and the fact that he is transforming you. And so it's transforming your marriage and transforming your family and transforming your workplace and transforming even the way you drive. You know, those, those ridiculous people that just sit in the fast lane at like 110. Don't sit in the fast lane. It's so frustrating. And that's where I need to have forgiveness and grace expressed to them. Maybe I'm the only one, but it's very frustrating. If you do that, we can, we can have a com conversation. I can express forgiveness to you because I've ex experienced forgiveness from the Lord. It's all good. Um, and so 
This is what we're saying. When we build our life on Jesus, our life is totally transformed because of our belief and our actions. And we are expressing that in everything we do so that when we see trials and when the, the word of God tells us, when you see trials, not if, when they're coming, we will see them. And some of them will be brutal and so hard and they will make us ask incredibly difficult questions. But the promise of Jesus is that if you build your life on him, he will make sure that your life does not fall apart. It may feel like it, but it promise is, is that he will sustain you. I wanna close with this verse. Isaiah 43, one through three says this, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, I shall not over, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. We've got so many opportunities in our life right now. There's so many things going on, and all of us are experiencing this quarantine season, um, everything going on so uniquely, but we have great opportunities to ask a question. What are you building your life on? Take a moment right now and just ask that. In your home, you know, are you building it on, you know, what your house looks like in your neighborhood, on what relationships you have, on the money you have, on the security that you're surrounded with? The, the truth is those things, they can fall apart. But Jesus, his promise is, if we believe and we walk and act out what he's called us to, the promise is that we will actually withstand all the storms of life. When the flash floods come, our house, our life will stand strong. So today, what do you build your life on? I invite you as we close, just to ask the Lord that. I invite you right now, let's just pray. Close your eyes, bow your head in your home. Invite your kids too if they're running around. Just say, Holy Spirit, is there anything that I'm building my life on that is outside of your word? Am I building my life on anything that is outside of you, Jesus? And I invite you even now to repent of that. Repent of your independence. We're not called to be independent. We're called to be dependent on Jesus, our author and perfecter of our faith. Thank you that we actually get to depend on him because I can't depend on myself sometimes. 
Jesus, go with us. Lead us and guide us. We build our life on you, not on the things of this world. We proclaim that we believe in you and the belief will propel us to act as you've called us to. We hope that you are challenged and inspired by what you heard today and that you're willing to allow God to work in and through your life in bigger ways this week. We'd love to stay connected with you on social media, facebook.com slash mountainparkchurch and instagram.com slash mountainparkchurch. Finally, if you have a story of how God has been working in and through you, we'd love to hear it. Just email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in your life lately.